Go ahead and grab your seat. And you can grab your Bible as well. And you can open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And um, again, really, really sweet to be together on, uh, on Christmas Day. I said to some of the, the guys up here earlier practicing, it's the one time that having an afternoon service actually pays off, right? Um, I, I want to, um, again, so, so glad to see all the kids here. Um, I know some of you parents maybe not so glad, but, uh, but we're going to make the most of this. You helped me out yesterday, kids. I'm going to see if you can begin the service by helping me out again. Um, how many of you uh, watched a Christmas movie last night? Anybody? Or maybe this week. Anybody watching the Christmas movies this week? Okay, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Okay. Shout it out. I, okay, I think I... All right. I think they're all really good. I think I heard a Die Hard in there. So, uh, <laughs> How many of you watched the Charlie Brown Christmas? Anybody? A few of you. It's getting a little old, but I, I like a Charlie Brown Christmas. And I like it because it's, uh, it's actually one of the few Christmas movies that actually has a, a lot of theology and a lot of scripture embedded in there. And I was reminded this past week of uh, a, an article I read a number of years ago about a school uh, in Kentucky that was going to be performing a Charlie Brown Christmas. And they were going to follow the script of the movie kind of almost to a T, except for one significant part in the story. They were going to actually chop it out uh, at the climax of the story, the most pivotal moment in the story. They were going to omit it entirely, just cut it right out of the entire play. And uh, it's interesting because here's what happens, right? If you've you've watched the movie, Charlie Brown, he brings out this pitiful, pathetic-looking Christmas tree, okay? It's not a Christmas tree. It's like a little stick with a one Christmas ornament hanging on it. And he's, he's frustrated and angry, and everybody's been ridiculing him for this ugly, pathetic Christmas tree. And then he says in anger and frustration, he says, everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And then if you remember the movie, he cries out with his eyes closed and his hands raised. And he says, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And in that moment, his friend Linus, who's standing close by him, actually right behind him, says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he goes on to quote the Bible. And he quotes the passage that we're going to look at today, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And then he walks off the stage and over to Charlie Brown and says confidently to Charlie, Charlie Brown, he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And then he plunks his thumb right back in his mouth. It's a great moment. But you see, it's that very moment in this school play when that question is asked, what is Christmas all about? They delete that answer. They remove that scripture. And in doing so, they left a a hole, a massive hole, right at the climax of the play, not just in the drama, not just the play, but in the drama of God's redemptive story. Because that is actually the most pivotal part in the history of redemption up to this point. 
And sadly, this actually is a bit of a parable for how our world treats Christmas. There are so many people celebrating Christmas but missing the very meaning of Christmas. The meaning is is left as a fill in the blank, whatever you want the meaning to be, whatever makes you happy, whatever brings you the most joy. But interestingly, as the play was unfolding, at this climactic moment, the parents in protest rose to their feet and read this scripture in unison together. And I want to read it for us. Let's look at verse 8. We'll just read down to verse 14 for now. It says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is absolutely true, but it needs a little bit of explaining. I want to answer this question, what is Christmas all about? It's fitting that we get to have a service on Christmas Day and to think deeply about what Christmas is truly all about. And I think from here we first see this, that Christmas is all about God's glory. Christmas is all about God's glory. On this night, the stars and the moon weren't the only things lighting up the sky, All of a sudden, these shepherds, they were out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks, and in blazing brilliance, God's glory bursts forth all around them. In an instant, what seemed like a normal night was turned upside down. They're standing in the presence of an angel, but they're also standing in the presence of the glory of God. Glory is what radiates from God. It's a visible manifestation of his presence. You see, though God is omnipresent, he's present everywhere. Sometimes he manifests his special presence in unique ways by giving people a glimpse of his glory. And here's why this is so important, because it reminds us that that this night, this event, and this day that we celebrate is not primarily about us. It's about God. It's about His glory. And our our world, our culture wants to make this holiday commercialized, materialistic primarily. And I'm not opposed to listen to presents, and I'm not opposed to gift giving. We did it uh, this morning in our house. But I think sometimes we get confused, and we begin to think that really Christmas is all about us. It's not. It's about God. Now, kids, let me ask you a question again, okay? How many of you kids have ever been afraid of somebody? Anybody? Yeah, you've been afraid of your dad once or twice, I bet. (laughs) How many of you think you might be afraid of God? A couple. All right. 
Would you, do you see what's, what happens here in this story? As they're exposed to the, the presence of God's glory, the presence of God, notice their response. They're filled with fear. That might not be what you would expect if you came face to face with God. Maybe you, you, you think it would be great, it would be wonderful to, to stand in God's presence. But here, here we see that the initial response, the first response is fear. Throughout the Old Testament, the presence of God was understood to be a terrifying reality. In fact, the people of Israel, they didn't want to get close to the mountain of God where the presence of God was on the top. The mountain shook and there was lightning flashing. In fact, they sent Moses up and said, you, you go meet with God. We're too afraid. But it wasn't always that way. The presence of God was not always a terrifying reality. Adam and Eve, they, they once walked openly, freely, and joyfully in the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. We've looked at that as we've studied through the book of Genesis. But the moment they rebelled against God, the moment they sinned, the moment they turned their back against God and, and rejected His authority, His love, fear entered the world. They, they were terrified once they sinned to be in the presence of God. In fact, they, they hid themselves in their guilt and shame. It drove them away from the presence of God. You see, why, why would that be? Because instantly they knew they were sinners. They knew they deserved punishment. You see, God's, God's glory in many senses is kind of like a floodlight that shines on a sinner and shows and exposes all of his blemishes and faults. You see, in, in the midst and in the, the, the presence of perfection, all of a sudden you see all of your imperfection. And so the natural response is fear. It's reminding us that God is different than us. He is holy. He is perfect. He is without sin. But in this moment, this is interesting. You see, God's glory signifies the unfolding of God's plan to fulfill His promise and to restore His people back to His presence. So while it initially presents fear in the hearts of the, the shepherds, what God is actually saying is, yes, you're fearful now, but my goal in showing up right now the way I am is actually to draw you back to my glory, back into my presence. This Advent season, again, we focused a lot on the anticipation of the promise of Genesis 3.15, that one was going to come, and, and though his heel would be bruised, he would crush the head of the serpent. And on Christmas Day, we actually get to fix our eyes on the arrival of this promise, that God has come to bring people back into his presence, that they might know the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but, but even better, I want you to think about this. If you're in Christ today, listen to this. This coming of Jesus and the glory of God that was seen at his first coming, it actually is anticipating and pointing us forward towards a greater glory we're going to experience one day if you're in Christ. Listen to what the book of Revelation says in chapter 21, verse 22. Speaking of, of the future, the new heavens and the new earth, it says this, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, 
and its lamp is the Lamb. You see, there's a day coming that if you're in Christ, listen, the glory of God is not going to be something you fear. It's going to be something you get to enjoy for all eternity. You will be in the presence of God's glory. This reminds us that all of creation, listen, is ultimately pointing us to the glory of God. It's all about God's glory. Secondly, Christmas is all about God's grace. The truth is that the Old Testament made clear nobody can see God and live. That's why fear is actually the right response. But verse 10, look at what the angel said to these shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Fear not. This is not a message of bad news, though it could have been. It's not a time of despair, though it could have been. There is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You see, when God created the world and He gave it to Adam and Eve to rule over, we see that we were made for joy. It's embedded in the fabric of humanity. We were made for joy. We long for joy. We love to experience joy. The creation story tells us that we actually have a God of joy, that God creates a world, and He says it's very good. He takes delight in his creation and joy in it. His first act toward humanity is to bless them. Joy fills the earth. The first command is to be fruitful and multiply. And he's not talking about math. It's a family-friendly service. The first invitation God gives to humanity is to feast. You see, God's, God gives all things for man to enjoy all but one tree because God is reminding them that while they are to enjoy the gifts that He gives them, ultimately, He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. That all the good gifts we get in this life are ultimately pointing us back to the greater joy of the gift giver. God tests Adam and Eve in the garden to see if they would choose to find joy in Him or if they'd rather try to find joy apart from Him. And we know how that turned out. Sin enters the picture. It produces fear, as we've seen in Genesis 3.15, though God comes along and gives this promise of redemption. God is promising that one day He will restore the, restore the joy of Eden, but we don't live in Eden right now, do we? We live in Babylon. We live in a world that is often crazy and confused and chaotic. A good news of great joy is hard to find in this upside-down world, and instead, we're often ruled by bad news and great anxiety, especially if you watch the news 24-7. And the world that we live in can actually be a really scary place, and most of us find ourselves grasping of sometimes, listen, to hold on to something uh, temporal for some kind of security, some kind of peace some kind of joy. Maybe it's a person that you're holding on to, a relationship, a substance, a job, a possession, a bank balance. Whatever that thing may be, we live in a world where it's very difficult to fear not, and it can be very hard to find any kind of true joy. 
All right, kids, I need your help again. How many of you have a favorite blanket? Who's got a blanket in here? Some of you adults, I know you got one too. No word of a lie, I know a guy who one time went on a business trip and left his blankie in a hotel room and had to call them and get it to mail it to him. Shame on him. <laughs> Some of you are like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong? I had, I had a, a favorite blankie as a kid, for sure. And my kids have all had blankies, you know, they've, they've done the thing. And, and my son, Josh, in particular, he, he loved crochet blankets. You know those knit blankies? Uh, he, he used to walk around with piles of them over his shoulders. And, and for whatever reason, I got permission to tell this story, just so you know. And um, he used to love putting his fingers in the holes. And just like, it was just this sense of comfort. And he would hum to himself. He'd be like, hmm, hmm. He'd walk around. He's got his fingers in the holes. And I remember one time we were out at a restaurant and he forgot his blankie and we looked over and he had poked holes in a paper towel and was, hmm, pretend, you know, just like. <laughs> and, and like, and this, this blankie gave him such comfort and attachment. And he, he even, listen, he, he even just for convenience sake, cut off a little piece of his blankie so he could carry it around wherever he went. This is it. No joke, right here. You can see, it's tatters. But, but it's interesting because it's really emblematic of how we seek security. That's why they call it a security blanket. It gives a sense of comfort. If I'm holding this, then everything's okay. And, and, and what's really interesting is that in the Charlie Brown Christmas, if you know anything about the characters, every character is, is known for something. Charlie Brown's got his, you know, striped sweater. Linus, you know Linus, his buddy, he's got that blanket that he carries around, and he's often ridiculed for having it. And if you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas, a lot of his friends, they spend the whole movie trying to get him to let go of the blanket. Just let it go. Why, why are you still holding on to that thing? And they make fun of him, and they poke at him a little bit, and, and everyone works to no avail to separate Linus from his blanket. He refuses, even amidst ridicule, until this moment. He walks out onto the stage, and he begins his speech, and at this specific moment, when he utters the words, fear not, he drops the blanket. One author of an article commenting this said that the creator of Charlie Brown, his name is Charles Schultz, was saying through this that the birth of Jesus separates us from our fears, frees us from the sins we cannot free ourselves from, allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to Jesus instead. You see, Christmas is all about God's grace in telling us that there is good news of great joy, that we need not fear, we can have true peace and true security in the one place it was meant to be found, because He has come to solve humanity's greatest problem. He has come to solve our greatest problem. He has come to take care of our sin the very thing that has ruined our joy, destroyed our peace, separates us from the presence of God. In God's grace, He has come to set it all right. 
And the the good news of great joy is this, that we can hold on to him. We can let go of the blanket and hold on to him. And better yet, the good news of great joy is not just that we get to hold on to Jesus. It's that we can be sure that he will hold on to us and he will never let us go. Ever. Christmas is all about God's glory. It's all about God's grace. And finally, Christmas is all about God's gift. In God's grace, he came from heaven to earth to rescue us. And we've seen what the angels say here in verse 11 and following, that unto them is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They're given a sign And then all of a sudden, a choir bursts forth, a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they praise God, declaring glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the good news, that a Savior is born, and he is Christ the Lord. The birth of this baby was anything but natural. It was completely supernatural. The only one who could rescue us from sin's penalty was God himself. This is the greatest mystery and the greatest miracle of the entire Bible. It's greater than creation out of nothing. It's greater than the resurrection from the dead. The infinite, omnipotent, eternal God of the universe became a man. Because only, listen, because only an infinite, omnipotent, eternal God could pay the eternal price for sin. And this is God's gift to us. He would be born a child so that he could live a perfect, sinless life, a life that we could never live so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for our sins, to pay for the sins that we could never fully pay for. He did it. We're always reminded at Christmas that when we see Jesus as a baby in the cradle, we must also look forward to see a man hanging on a cross. From laying in a trough to hanging on a tree, he gives up his life so that he might give us life. Charles Spurgeon said that the birth of Christ brought God to man, the cross of Christ brought man to God. All right, kids, one more time, help me out, okay? How many of you were given gifts this morning? All right. Now, I have a question for you. What, what if this morning your parents came and gave you a gift, and it was wrapped up really nicely, it had a bow on it, and they put it on your lap, and then they asked you this question, all right, I want you just to sit there with the gift. It's yours, but don't open it. How would you feel? Forever. You just leave it. You throw it away? Yeah, it's, it's really not worth anything. If, it's, if you don't know what's inside, if you can't open it, a gift's not really worth anything, is it? What do you want to do when somebody hands you a gift wrapped up? What do you want to do right away? Open it, right? You want to tear that open and enjoy the gift that's been given to you. So many people, listen, have been handed the gift of Jesus Christ on Christmas. 
Maybe for some of you today, you're, you're being handed the gift of Jesus today, and for years, you've simply just held on to the gift. It's, it's wrapped for you. It's packaged beautifully. It's handed to you, but you've just let it sit on your lap, and you've done nothing with it. You refuse to open it, but here's the truth. Every gift is meant to be enjoyed, and you cannot enjoy it unless you choose to open it and receive it. And that's what God offers to you today. That's really what Christmas is all about. God is the greatest gift giver ever, period, full stop. And in his grace, he has given us his own son. He's given us the gift of his son, Jesus, not around a tree, but upon a tree. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the gift. That whosoever believes in him, that's the opening, the gift. You, you receive it by believing and trusting in Jesus. So here's the question for you today. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you received the gift of Jesus and entered into eternal life? You can't, listen, you can't take it with one hand, okay? Some of you here need to hear this. You can't take it with one hand. You have to drop the blanket. Whatever you've been holding on to, thinking you could also grab hold of Christ, it can't be done that way, and it will never be worth it. You have to drop the blanket, and you have to receive the, grip, the, the gift by grabbing it with both hands. Wrap your arms around Jesus in full and total surrender. Give up your life so that you may gain life in him. That's the gift he offers to you today. Fully commit, fully surrender. Take him now, enjoy him forever. That's the promise of Christmas. And don't wait. Do what these shepherds did. Look at what it says in verse 15. We'll just read this and close together. It says this, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went, I love this, with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, that, that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The shepherds saw and they ran to Bethlehem to see God's glory, God's grace, and to receive God's gift. And to echo the words of Linus to Charlie Brown, that's what Christmas is all about. It's fitting that we too respond the same way these shepherds did. So I want to encourage you now to stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray. And then we are going to respond by glorifying and praising God together for all we have seen, all we have heard, and all we have received in Jesus, our Savior.